Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Heal with Cat podcast. My name is Cat. I am your host, and I am joined by my dear friend Ashley B. Jones. Hello. And if you have listened to my podcast before, you know she is going to become and has been more of a, a regular, right? You've been on once before, and we talked about discernment, intuition. We had a really deep conversation about that. And as you know, Ashley is one of my dear friends here in Colorado. I just had my year ahead reading with her. Y'all, if you want a legit year ahead reading, I'm going to link her stuff in the show notes. Whoop, whoop. Um, but truly, Ashley approached me about a month ago to do a workshop together. And it felt so aligned because we just, when we come together, it's like our energy is just like, they vibe. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? A hundred percent. They just like, we just like get each other. <laughs> like completely. And we can just be intuitive and blur things out and say things and there's no filter. And, and it's, it's awesome. easy. Yeah. 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 No, those, those friendships are super important. Oh my God. When it's just easy to be around someone and it just flows. Right. And so when she approached me, first of all, if you don't know, Ashley is like the mayor, the spiritual mayor of Denver. <laughs> <laughs> so she literally knows everybody. And so I was honored when she was like, Hey, Kat, you're worth my time to do a workshop with like, we're let's here do it. Time. Oh my God. That's worth my time. My God. So <laughs> we're doing a workshop on February 8th in Denver at nurture on federal. It's uh, nurture the, a well care marketplace. Yes. Thank you. Yes. But <laughs> we're doing a workshop there together. And when she approached me, she said she wanted to do a, a workshop around self-love and I'll be honest. And I, sh I openly share this. I was like, oh, ugh, self-love. Like that's so cringy sometimes for February. Like how do we, duh, I'm going to do it. Like, let's do the workshop, but how are we going to do it in a way that doesn't feel cringy and overly trendy, like self-love in February and all that. Right. And just by the way that we talked about doing the workshop where it felt very internal and transformational mm -hmm. and deeper than what people see on Instagram, which is like the trendy self-love club and love yourself. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like we're losing the depth of what self-love really is. And we named the workshop Awaken Your Love Within, which I love because we all are that love that we just have to awaken to that we've just connected from. And so anyways, we thought it would be fun to do a podcast episode to lead into the workshop. So here we are. That was like the longest intro ever. <laughs> well, it's like also just us getting honest about our own journeys because to what Kat said, like it is super cheesy. This is like self-love, take a bath. But like I, and we'll go into this today, but like, I know for me, my relationship with self-love is still so imperfect. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anyone has like mastered self-love. And I feel so passionate about like deconstructing that and just getting really, really brutally honest and like into the nitty gritty and into the humanness of it. And like, what is, what does it mean to love yourself? Yep. And then, you know, and then I'm going to take it into the ancestral route and talk about the family, right? So you're, you're covering both parts of the self-love. Mm -hmm. It's like, how did we learn to love ourselves? Mm -hmm. And then how do we continue love ourselves mm -hmm. is the way that I'm, I'm viewing that. So today's episode is not going to be, that's probably the only time we'll talk about the event. This is mm -hmm. really just about having an open conversation about our journeys with self-love, what we've learned from it and the tools that we've gathered to be able to foster a more loving relationship with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because we both said before we opened up the space here, and we're going to drop in in a moment together. Um, 
that, you know, self-love is a journey and that we some days love ourselves more than others. Mm -hmm. For me, it's largely based on my cycle. <laughs> <laughs> like say that again, but largely based on my cycle. Um, but yeah, so let's just drop in together and we're going to drop in with you, the listener, and we're going to ground into just a place of openness. Um, so wh whatever you're doing right now, um, if you're driving, please keep your eyes open. Um, <laughs> no crashing. No crashing, please. But whatever you're doing, just pause for a moment, whether it's mentally or mentally and physically, just take a deep breath where you are and just feel the busyness, the buzziness that's happening in your body and your mind. And just let it be there for a moment. And then take a breath, just one really, the deepest breath you've taken today in through the nose. And you can hold it and you can let it go out of the mouth when you feel like it's time. And feel your body just sink down towards the earth more. And as you do that, you can do that a few times to really call in your own energy, centering in your own self. And as you bring awareness to being here and now in this moment, see if your heart can follow. If your heart can feel open and spacious to receive our vulnerable shares today, mm -hmm. vulnerable shares. And I think that when you listen to this episode, know that we are not two women who have mastered self-love at all, but we are in a place in our lives where we feel we have gained tools and knowledge and wisdom and experience to hopefully share that with others mm -hmm. who are at different places on their journey, who are ready to receive that. Some things you may already know, mm -hmm. and some things may be new for you either way, bringing an open heart and mind into the experience today. And know that we're meeting you in where you are. Mm -hmm. Like we're both, as Kat said, coming in from this very vulnerable place of being present in the experience of self-love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rather than having mastered it or being like, these are your 10 steps to like getting there. It's just us talking about what it means for us to engage with it and to dare to touch it and dare to explore it in a society and in a culture that preaches perfection and preaches like the certain way of doing things or a certain way that it's supposed to look like, let it be raw and honest and vulnerable. And so I know that's where I'm coming from today. I think that's where Kat's coming from today. I Absolutely. Speak for you. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'll, I guess I'll just kick it off because I'll start with the little bit of an ancestral piece to my story. I'm sure everybody, I'm actually positive. Everybody has that because mm -hmm. we all come from a nuclear family of some kind, whether it's chosen family, you know, adopted family community of some kind. Um, you know, part of my journey to self-love, it, it's actually when I was writing notes to, to, to talk about what, or to write about what I was going to talk about on this episode, I actually started with the thought, what are the ways that I gave up myself to fit in to a family that took me away from self-love. And 
I first got introduced to this idea when I, when I worked with my shaman, Lori, who's here in Denver, who Ashley has also worked with. And she's amazing. And she taught me that I had never really heard it from someone legit like Lori before, but shamans work on calling back pieces of ourselves that we give Mm -hmm. away. And I totally resonated with that because from a, from a family constellation perspective, we look at how do we bond and belong to our families? And so in creating this workshop from the ancestral perspective and the notes for today's episode, what are the ways that I gave away parts of my inner love, my inner light to belong and fit in? And then I woke up at 27 years old and was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Mm -hmm. I literally don't know who I am. And I only feel like I'm able to love myself if I'm the prettiest, skinniest, the smartest, the wisest, like the bestest, add EST to anything. That's what I was living. And in reality, I'm never going to be perfect and I'm never going to be the best at anything. I'm always going to be a student of life and I'm always going to be a student of something. So why hold myself to those expectations? Await, in comes the family. Mm-hmm. For me, growing up, I received love by being um, quote unquote good enough mm-hmm. in the eyes of someone else. And then I took those beliefs around how to receive love and I applied them to expectations of myself. Does that make sense the way I explain that? A hundred percent. And it's so funny that you say this because literally this morning as I was making my little like ashwagandha chai, <laughs> which I love to do, I was thinking as like true unconditional love is comes from you. Yeah. And so much of the conditionality we put on the way that we show ourselves love, we show other people love is based on the conditionality we learned around acceptance growing up. We, I, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> That's literally it. And so we forget who we are as we get older because of the conditions that are put on us that are, we are essentially taught this is what love is, but everybody loves differently. And we are made, this is going to be, you know, a little spiritual for you, but we are all made of love. Mm -hmm. We are all love, right? Like at our core. And so what, at what point do we disconnect from that? Mm. And so my expectations on me were a lot around my body image. Mm. I also learned that I was not lovable if I had big emotions. Um, the big one for me too. Yeah. In fact, so, so hard for me that still at 33 years old, I keep making excuses in my romantic relationship. I'm sorry, I'm having such big emotions. And finally, after two years, Tyler was like, you don't have big emotions. You just have emotions. Hmm. And like, they're, they, they, they can just exist and they can just be, they don't have to always be big. And I'm like, well, they feel really big for me because when I have them, I'm afraid that like, you're going to go away. Do you feel like the more that you try to control your emotions, the bigger they get? Yes. Because I know that it happens for me too. Like, I don't like that I'm feeling this way. And now I'm like trying to squeeze it into something small that I think is going to be manageable for something else. And this isn't even something I've asked someone if they can do now. This is just something that I am like, I am scared of the way that you're going to react to like this big vulnerable piece of me where I experience the world like, Yep. to the umpteenth degree yep. 
I'm scared this is going to overwhelm you. So I'm going to keep this in. But the more I used to, it's so funny when I was like maybe 12, it was very vivid memory of driving in the car with my mom, trying to explain to her what was going on with me mm-hmm. so that she could understand. And, you know, there was just a part of my French, but clusterfuck of things going down when I was younger. And I was like, it's like a balloon. And I will just push the emotion into the balloon and push the emotion into the balloon. And I'm really good at doing that until the balloon hits its max and then it pops. And then I literally have a full on meltdown. Oh yeah. Cause you're not allowing to, yourself to flow with the emotion or let it express or let myself be myself. And then it's like, I am now out of control mm-hmm. and now I'm having a full on like mental breakdown or like fit or, you know, I felt like a temper tantrum, honestly, like a teenager. just like, I'm quote unquote too old to be having this, but I'm now I've tried to control this feeling so much that I've hit my breaking point and I simply cannot. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Like Dr. Gabor Mate says that there's three things needed in order to raise a secure child. And the third thing that he says is that we have been conditioned as adults to ask children to manage our emotions by managing their emotions. And that's a complete disservice to the child because when they get older, they'll think that they have the power and the control to be able to manage other people's emotions by not managing, by over managing theirs. And it's so true because I think many people who are, have a fear of having big emotions, it's because somebody showed them or told them that the big emotions were too much and they needed to tone it down and they needed to stop having them. Mm -hmm. And that disrupts our natural process of being able to move Mm -hmm. with our emotions to process them. Mm -hmm. I, I remember when I started my anger journey, I was working on my anger for like a year And I remember in the beginning of it, I used to say, I just want to get rid of my anger. That was my goal. I just want to get rid of my Mm -hmm. anger. And now I say, I just want to sit with my anger. I just want to manage my anger. Mm -hmm. I just want to be with my anger because everybody's going to have anger. Everybody's going to have emotions that come up. What's going to happen when I get angry? Am I just going to like disappear? I'm just going to get rid of it. Like, no disservice. So, so managing my big emotions was like one really big thing for me. Also, um, I think one of the bigger things that I'm still healing around self-love is, is the body image stuff. Mm. Um, as I've gotten older, I've gotten a lot better. Like I had an eating disorder on and off for 12 years. It started around 12 years old and yoga actually helped me heal that. But as I get older and I face things like motherhood one day, Mm -hmm my biggest fear is like, will I still be lovable even if my body changes or am I going to be lovable if I don't go to the gym? Like these little fears and things that I tell myself, um, you know, I don't, I have written down here in my notes, I don't have to be somebody else to be loved, but I feel like I do. And it's this constant chasing of, am I more lovable when I'll look this way? Am I more lovable will I love myself more if I'm thinner or if I eat healthier, like all these things go through my head. Right. And so I think for me, the journey of self-love much like my journey with anger or big emotions is learning how to sit with all the experiences. Mm -hmm. And and for you, who's really, really skilled in parts work, I want to hear your thoughts on this, but it's being able to sit with all of the parts of me, mm-hmm. the ugly ones that just feel so gross. And also the really good ones that I'm like, when the moments when I'm really proud of myself, you know, mm-hmm. like sitting with all of those and, and 
affirming for myself that I'm still lovable and, and, and that I can love myself. I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly, but for me, I base a lot of my self-love off of if somebody else loves me. Mm -hmm. And that's something I'm still working through because for me, if I am validated by someone else's love, it means that I'm good enough. And then it means that I'm safe and that I'm, I don't have to look for potential threats where I will not be lovable. And it's so interesting that you say that because something that I read in a book that I absolutely love and highly recommend, it's called the wisdom of the shamans. Um, you don't have to necessarily be into shamanism or want to become a shaman to read it. It's just, um, called the wisdom of the shamans by Don Jose Ruiz. It's a simple anecdote that he tells in the book that says, when someone says something to you to respond, thank you. And then in your mind say, and that is true, whether you say it or not. Mm. And that is something I have started to practice since reading that, because so much of like, you know, when people give you compliments and people give me say, oh my God, you're so talented. Like, I'm like, thank you. And that is and in my mind, not as true, whether you say it or not. Mm. So even if you don't say it, I'm not like, oh my God, is that person not like me? Oh, oh my God. Do they not believe in me? Oh my God. Is it not true anymore? Am I not good? Am I not safe? Do they not love me? If they don't text me, if I don't hear from them, if they don't tell me they love me four times a day, <laughs> they don't respond to my text within 30 minutes. Am I okay? Are we okay? Yeah. And it's like, it's like truly a retraining of your mind and the way that your body responds. Mm-hmm. Because to what you said at the very beginning, Kat, like, and this is something I feel so beyond passionate about is when we talk about safety and like security and stability and like what it means to feel safe in your life, which is like ground zero for like Basic any need. type of yeah. functioning. We don't talk about belonging enough. Mm-hmm. And as humans, we are social creatures. The reason why we are successful as a species is because we gathered. Mm-hmm. And so that need, and I just want to name this because I know it comes up for me a lot of like, I want to belong. Mm-hmm. And I do not want to be alone, mm-hmm. even though I am comfortable most of the time within myself. I also want to be loved by other people. So what does it mean to hold that duality of self-love and then also love for other people? It, that is literally takes me to my next point on my notes, which is so beautiful, which is I wrote down, how do I love myself now, if it means that the ways I learned to receive love from my family don't feel right for me anymore, mm. what happens when I stop caring so much about how I look to receive love? What happens when I stop people pleasing to receive love? What happens when I stop doing these things? Am I because I've never experienced her in me before? What is on the other side? My perception is you're going to be alone. But actually, in a healthy relationship, like my partnership with Tyler. What if it means that our emotional connection gets stronger? Because I can just exist. Because we can just exist in the love that we're having. Could you imagine? But I don't. I Could you imagine? imagine? Or what if, you know, what would happen if I just stopped giving my body so much power and control over me? What would that be like? Some people don't know. And, and, and honestly, most of us don't know what, it's, what it looks like on the other side. 
I would say a majority of people have no clue. And that's why they stay so close to those wounds and those fears because it's known. It's known. It's in your control. So it, I wrote down here, what happens when I don't bond through dieting or whatever else it is? You know, it's subconsciously and consciously an entirely new way to exist. Mm-hmm. And for me, I feel like I found self-love through radically accepting myself in my harder moments. Also radically accepting that I'm going to be different from my family. And that's been the longest journey for me. Um, Looking in the mirror and facing the parts of myself that feel ugly and unlovable and just sitting with them. Mm. Ugh, even just the feeling I get in my chest when I say that, it feels gross. Like I'm like, eh, I don't want to do that. Um, learning to visualize and connect with who I am and who I want to be in the future and actively taking steps to become hurt in every way. Mm. Small. They're, they're usually small. They are the tiny, I want to be very clear. They are the tiniest of steps. So when you look back, you run 50 miles and you didn't even realize it. But here you are a completely different person. But so much of us want the security and the safety of knowing that we will, life will look a certain way if we make the chance of the choice. Mm-hmm. But if I choose to wake up at 7 a.m. and not look at my phone first thing, maybe tomorrow, <laughs> today will be the day. Like we create these like material conditions around yeah. like what life will, if I structure my life this way, then I will be happy Yeah. versus I structure this like my life this way so that I can be happy. Yes. Yes. And I think that the, I have to say like the most profound way that I, that I really did find the self-love in, mo- in moments consistently is the radical acceptance mm. for me, me mm-hmm. personally, because I am someone who is just coming around at 33 years old to being okay with saying I need validation because you're human, but I never wanted to admit that I needed validation because in my eyes, people that need validation are weak. That's what I was told growing up. Oh dude, to be clear, very same. Yeah. Like I was like, I should just be fine alone. Yeah. I should just be okay. Yeah. And then I'm not okay. And then I have to sit down and be like, I am not okay. And even that, I don't know if anyone else can resonate with this, but like the admittance, I think that's the word, like admitting for me that I am not okay and that I am scared Mm. and that I am vulnerable. And then that to me is like one of the the most vulnerable things. But break it down. Why? Because like I feel if I am scared, we're going to do this, see if I can do this right now live. (laughs) If I am scared because I am vulnerable, because people can see me, I am scared because I'm worried that they're going to see something that they're not going to like. And then they're not going to like want to be around me anymore or like me. And if I am so honest and I don't know the outcome of what they're going to say, I will tell you guys, I will fight tooth and nail to the point where like my mind will actually dissociate from it. Mm. And people will be like, what's going on? I'm like, I actually don't know anymore. Yeah. Like, and I'm at loss and I'm trying to get there, yeah. but this part of me, this shadow, whatever, either it's an inner child, either it's a part that's fractured off is so beyond terrified that it, it becomes this like, Hey, can I like, literally I had a conversation with friends this week. I was like, they're like, what's coming up. It's like, I just need a minute to think because I can't even 
I need to like gently, slowly, like I can't force this part of me mm-hmm. to talk right now because she's running so far that my, she, my mind can't even hold on to it. Like I need to just sit here and like do it with her scared. Yeah. Is there a part of radical acceptance in that for you? Yes. I don't know if I would necessarily call it radical acceptance. Oh. I think I'm in this moment of just like, I am sitting in the mess. Mm. Yeah. And I'm not trying to accept it. I'm not trying to change it. I'm just being with it. Yeah. And I think sometimes for me, it's like, if I have to accept this, like, I don't know if I, we're not there at acceptance yet. I don't know if I'm at acceptance yet. It might be the act of practicing radical acceptance is just being like, I'm not running from you. That is, and I'm not trying to change you. I know, but for some reason, when you said acceptance, I didn't like like the, like my whole body was like, but I don't accept it yet. Oh, it's not fully integrated yet. Okay. It's not healed yet. So maybe it's just acknowledgement, hundred percent, or just like sitting and like. I said this to you when we first sat down. I was like, the word self love to me like brings this whole like weird body sensation up because I feel like I need to be an expert. Mm -hmm. on it and I do not feel like an expert at all Mm -hmm. and in any in all honesty I feel like I am like in the mud like Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what this is that I'm creating and what this even looks like Mm -hmm. and I know logically that's like that is self-love is like choosing to like be like I know you're scared I know I'm scared but I'm here doing it with you right and I'm not running and I know for me especially with like I have a lot of abandonment fears like fear of abandonment fear of, um, rejection. I'm super rejection sensitive that not rejecting me and not abandoning myself, which I can do. And I have done in the way that I have fractured off parts of myself, or I have decided to shove them into my unconscious, into the shadow, because for some reason they weren't good enough or weren't lovable enough or weren't worthy of whatever it is that I actually want to be in worthy of the light because they were messy and they weren't perfect and whatever it was. Or they were uncomfortable for someone else. hundred percent. Right? Like if there's a part of me that is so deeply feeling that someone else doesn't want to sit with their feelings and by me being so deeply emotional, I mean, it is the language I speak. Mm -hmm. It is the language in which I understand the world. Mm -hmm. By separating that part of myself, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get into mental health here. So just like trigger warning, like that is what sent me into the deepest depression because I was like, I don't understand who I am without this. And now I feel nothing because I now don't even think I can feel because feeling is now conditional. Mm. And if I can only feel one type of thing, and you look at like, you know, I was watching this video on Instagram yesterday about like what people portray feminine rage as versus what feminine rage actually is. Mm -hmm. There's like, you know, it's the same way in which like, and this is going to be a very much um, working within the gender binary, but like men are allowed to be angry. So when they get sad, they get angry. Right. Or they feel hurt, they get angry. Because anger is like a socially acceptable emotion versus like women were allowed to be sad. Like why was it when I got angry, I would get sad. I cry. Mm -hmm. When I get in trouble, I cry instead of like going full rage. Mm -hmm. Is anger really acceptable though in society? I, I wouldn't say it is for women. Yeah. I don't know if it is. I think Maybe it's, it's more like poo-pooed if it's for men. Like, oh, that guy. That like type, type of like, like pure violence. Oh, yeah. Like I remember as a kid. It's like a male stereotype. That's yeah. That's violent. That's what I was Whereas women say. are just sad. Yeah. I guess right? Like, oh, she's angry. She's like crying, which is what I felt like. But I was like, no, I actually want to burn the whole world down. Yeah. And I think that the, 
when I think about acceptance of this, it, it, it is that interesting, someone described it this way and I loved it. It's finding that yellow zone for yourself. So it's not like the green safe comfort zone. And it's not the red, I'm now triggered and like completely despondent and like this is setting me back zone. It's like that interesting yellow zone of like, I'm sitting with my discomfort and choosing not to run. And that is self-love. Mm-hmm. It's almost interesting what, when, as you're saying this, what's, what it's bringing up for me is that I've always been this way, but I've always wanted to know the why. Hmm. My dad said, when I came out of the womb, I was just curious. Like I was looking around and I was just, I'm just curious by nature. Right. And so I've always been the kind of kid that's like, my dad will say the sky is blue and I'll be like, why? And he'll be like, I don't know, just because it is. I'll be like, but why? So I think that for me, a part of my self-love journey looks like getting really curious with myself, Mm -hmm. getting curious about Mm -hmm. the why Mm -hmm. behind certain things allows me to be like, it allows me to take a step back and be like, oh, like I'm seeing this from a really different perspective. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that I've been kind of holding this belief about myself And it's not actually something I genuinely believe in or align with. And so I think there's something really powerful about getting curious. 100%. That leads you into a depersonalization Mm -hmm. of the things that people do or say or project that bring you back to yourself in a way that may not feel like self-love, but it's almost a way of being like, oh, I actually know myself a little bit better by understanding what I got curious about. And mm-hmm. now, now I can kind of sit with myself in a lighter way. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I feel like I like to be in this experience of me more when I understand things differently, but that's my brain. Not everybody is like that. I think more people are like that than you think though. Really? Like curiosity brings such a levity and like, Oh, I don't have to know the answer. Right. I don't have to get this right. Like you're, it's like, you know, like I often think I was forced like a huge thing that I'm thinking about literally today is I force myself to do so many things in a way that's not kind Mm. or loving because of this expectation or because of this like conditionality that still comes up like it's and I'm sure it's going to come up for the rest of my life and it'll just morph and change in the relationship and the way I engage with it will just change and there's a slowness yeah the curiosity yeah that I think the speed at which we move in our society is not loving for me. Like the speed at which I try to push myself to move, how hard I push myself, I know comes from this place of like, if I'm perfect mm-hmm. and I have succeeded, checked it off, done, then I will be able to be at a place where I love myself. And I wanted to share this. I sat down, I finished my uh, Reiki three Reiki master teacher training last summer. And I don't remember when this happened, but I was just having a really, really off day. I think it was at the beginning of the summer. And when I showed up and I was like, you know, can we work on me? And the group will get up and I'll get on the table and we'll do energy work on me as a way to practice and learn more about energy work. And we started practicing and I could start feeling my body like really resist what was coming up. And I don't forget what the, whoever was practicing with me said, but she was like, like, it doesn't feel like you love yourself. And I burst 
into tears because even being perceived like that, like, I think that there also is this like perfection of like, if I love myself like completely and I have it all together, like that's a mask that I put on because it feels again, like I, that's safe if someone can see me this way. And I like literally remember putting my hands over my face. Like I did not want to be seen and just hysterically crying on the table as they worked on like, you know, my sacral, my heart, all of it. And they looked at me like, you know, there was a moment where I just like clicked for me and, you know, I appreciated like whoever it was that said that, but at the same time, I was like, I feel so broken. And what if I stopped trying to fix and I just existed in this mess? What if it just came and congealed naturally at its own pace versus me trying to like shove the puzzle pieces back together in a way like there's urgency to be like, oh, if it's together and good. And I think sometimes that comes up at least for me a lot, especially with the parts work of like trying to force the healing or rush it yeah. because like, you know, it, it, to be very clear, it's not comfortable but there is also a different way to engage with it. Like when I first started getting into this healing work seriously, after I had had like a very, very uh, serious mental health crisis in college, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to master this. I'm going to get really good at this. I'm going to finish this. And the deeper I got into the journey, the more I realized like, this is not like a class that I take that I get an A in. This is not like, you know, there's an end line or there's so much research. Like no one has it figured out. Mm -hmm. Like there are people who have chosen to your point to get really, really curious Mm -hmm. and do research and ask questions and like dig, sit in the the mud with people and like see how we can find that level of compassion and freedom that we're all seeking to just be in this place of, again, to your point, radical acceptance of like, I actually, there is no such thing as perfection. And just be, instead of feeling like if I read all the self-help books yeah, or if I do all the healing work, or if I get all the readings and I do all the Reiki healing and I do all of the therapy and I do all of the site, whatever it is, I do all the things. And then at some point you get a place where you're like, I don't, is me doing the thing actually coming from a place of how can I love myself? Mm. Or is it coming from a place of, I think there was something fundamentally wrong with me. Right. What's motivating your work? And I personally stopped. I took a break from therapy at the beginning of last summer. I've been on this, I've, you know, I've been in coaching and therapy. You know, I, I took a break in college just because like you can't do out of state and the therapists at college were not great. I was like, you guys are not equipped <laughs> to handle the case that is me. But I have been in therapy like nonstop for like almost 10 years. And I got to a point where I was like, I need to now do the thing. Yeah. No more analyzing now doing. Yeah. And I want to just start practicing this and I need, and I think it became a crutch for me and I, and I am not here knocking therapy. I think therapy is one of the most incredible things, but I got to place myself where I had to be really, really honest. Like I am doing this because I think there's something wrong with me and I'm trying to fix the things and I'm trying to figure out within the week, what went wrong and what I did wrong. And now I'm just like spinning on everything. And I think I just need to be for a minute. I think maybe I need to stop pulling cards. I think maybe I need to stop getting readings dude. Yeah. And just like exist as an imperfect human yeah. and figure out what happens yeah. personally of like, how do I exist in my friend, my friendships? How do I exist in the world? Yeah. 
and I'm sure there'll be a day I go back, but I just really wanted to share that. Cause I feel like I just, that's been a huge part of my journey recently. Yeah. hundred percent. And I have two things to say on that. The first that I had someone recently and not recently, I'm just it's coming to my mind as we're talking, who was saying, why would I go to a therapist who like admittedly is having a breakdown? And I, she's like, I would want to go to someone who like got it together and it's a psychologist. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you cannot lead someone or not even lead erase that word. You cannot walk beside someone through something. If you have not gone through it yourself, Yeah, it would be the blind leading the blind. Yeah, And if you are not yourself doing the work mm-hmm. and, you know, I say to myself too, cause I get really hard on myself and the fact that like there are moments and sessions where I'm literally like, this is for me too. Like I'm, re- I'm channeling a message or the message is coming through me that I also need to hear. Yeah. That happened in our reading and it happens all the time for me. <laughs> and I think I'm like, Oh my God, am I being egotistical? Am I being a clear vessel? Am I projecting, holding, projecting my whole yeah. face? I'm like, no, I am human. Yeah. And again, like, and this is where I, my, my scientific brain reminds me in my body. I'm like, we only do things that we like doing. Yeah. So of course, like we like helping people. So we're going to be in that. And there is a part that we get from it. Otherwise, why would we do it? Right. I know how powerful FCT is because it saved my life. And I lived knowing that this shit works. So why wouldn't I want to share that with other people? Does it bring me joy to watch somebody go through this? Like, fuck yeah, it does. Like it does. And it heals me in some way that I'm needed, you know, that I can show up in the world and people, if they, you can support people, you can be there exactly. for them in the way that you needed someone when you were in that. You moment. just nailed it right there. You just nailed it right there. And so I don't want a client to feel that they don't have hope or that they don't, they aren't needed in this world or even that I'm needed. Right. We all like, I feel like I'm getting on a tangent right now, but I, I loved what you said. Well, I can't agree again. Like I keep saying that I can't agree more because it's like, I want to be the thing for someone else that I did not have. And I know there's going to be a moment and I'm kind of sitting as we're having this conversation and I don't have the answer to this at all where I realize what I need is not what everyone else needs. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit that I'm in a place of curiosity where I'm allowed to ask for what I need and someone else is allowed to ask for what they need and we can figure out how to make that work together. That's that really, by me. Welcome to a relationship. Sorry, not to cackle, but like, I'm like, and I have to be okay in the discomfort of like knowing that like, I have to be honest. And I have to be honest with myself first to be even able to admit that to the people in my life mm-hmm. or to even go then after it. Like, what do I actually need. And it's okay if I don't know. And this is where I think to your point, like I really like the things that I'm sitting with me of like, you know, takeaways, curiosity, because then you don't feel like you're under a microscope and you have to have the answer. You're like, I'm just curious. Like no pressure. There's no pressure. And baby steps. Mm -hmm. Because this work also, like, it doesn't need to feel like there's, like, again, like, this course mm-hmm. to take. I'm, like, you know, I'm going to go to this self-love workshop or I'm going to go read this, like, Course of Miracles book and I'm going to master self-love. It's, like, what if I'm just curious about what it would mean to feel better within myself and to feel safer and feel happier? We just had to pause because I had a freak out moment because this is a really vulnerable conversation for me. 
And I literally just asked Ashley, should we re-record this whole thing? Because I'm feeling so uncomfortable and Ashley is preaching. She's, she's walking the talk right now. She's like, no, we need to sit in this right now. So continue. I was going to say, it's like, and this is before she's like, we need to record this. I was like, I am so tired of pretending to be okay. Yeah. And I'm so tired of doing work in a space that to be honest with you feels fake and like a cult sometimes to me, because I'm like, where is the humanity in this? Where is the raw admittance that like, let's just do a thing to do a thing, Mm -hmm. not to come heal yourself with me. And then I will fix you. And then you will buy into that. Right. But I fucking hate that. But people buy tickets to events because they think that people like you and me were going to magically heal them from their stuff. And it's this false sense of, we don't have the power to fix you. We have the power to support you, hold space for you, guide you, give you whatever. But it, that's the part of the spiritual community that I also have a problem with because I have signed up for events where I was like, oh, if I sign up for this coaching, if I do this thing, I'm going to be healed and I'm going to be great. And it, I, and I'm never going to have to worry about this anymore. That's not the point of what our work is individually or what the workshop is that we're doing together. There is a part of the workshop, to me, a successful FCT session, a successful parts work and Reiki and intuitive metamorphosis session. Yeah. There's a somatic release because it means the energy is moving and transformation is happening. It also means you're letting go of something. Yeah. And I, it's not good for marketing. No. And it's not good for sales. And it's not what you see online. And I am getting to the point, I swear to God, you guys, like, I don't like, I am hitting this point. Myself. I was like, I don't like this and I don't know how to do it differently. And so I literally have not posted on my social media in like a week. And I'm like also rethinking the way I'm doing my entire email newsletter list. Cause like, I hate selling to people Yes, because it feels manipulative to me. And it feels like I'm trying to convince you that I have the answers when I don't for and some I- things, I will say you have a lot of wisdom and guidance. Yeah, but the wisdom is different than answers. Yeah. Sorry, that came out very aggressive. No, I didn't mean okay. for that to be aggressive. I just, I, I am so tired of pretending. And I wonder, it's something I'm sitting with, like, well, then what happens if I stop? Okay, let's go through that then. Let's sit with that for a moment then. Let's do like real time shit right now. So what happens if you stop caring? What is your biggest fear if you stop caring so much all the time? Nothing will happen that I want it to. So caring so much is control for you. hundred percent. So what are you trying to get control over? What is that deep need for control? What do you need control around? Feeling happy, feeling okay. Yeah. And for someone who's experienced a mental health crisis and all these different emotions that you've had in your human experience, duh. Of course you want happiness. Of course you're seeking. Are, do you find that you are just seeking to know that everything is going to be okay? And that all the time. And at the same time, I also, and I'm going to admit this, and it is fucking terrifying to say, some where people are going to listen. I'm also scared that I don't know how to take care of myself. 
and that in some way, somehow something will happen. Well, I will get back there and I will choose to quit. Or is it in that cycle, like this is what I've been trying to ask myself, like an invitation to meet that again and not run? I don't know. I don't know. See, I think there's a shadow and a light for everything. A hundred percent. Control. Like here's here's my thing. My people pleasing, okay? In the in the shadow, let's in the shadow, it's a little manipulative. It's needing a guarantee for safety. In its shadow, it uh it I lose my sense of self and I put my the power of my happiness in someone else's hands. Mm -hmm. Okay. But in the light. I have a good, I have a good heart and I mean well, and I'm doing it. I love cause I want love cause I need love, right? There's like that innocent part of me that only knows how to receive love through the people pleasing, but it's this innocent part of me. That's like, maybe if I just do something nice for someone, like maybe they'll do something nice back for me. Or like, maybe if I just like do it this way, like there's an innocence to it that I think it's an, an, a little bit lighter than the because shadow you care about people. because you care, right? Like I genuinely care. Yeah. Like I genuinely care about people. I don't, if you know me, you know that if I don't care, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, I don't care. Okay. Like that's just, so if I care, right, you can feel it because it's genuine, but sometimes it comes off as people pleasing. Mm. So there's a light and a dark to everything. So it's all about perspective with it too. And I think something as you're talking that like, I am actively practicing, which is a reason that it's part of what I share and teach and guide in my work is that the whole point of being human is to sit between the tension of opposites and to be constantly finding that middle ground and balance and to know that you're never going to land there. It's going to be something that you, based on the constant variability and chaos that we exist within, we're constantly finding a way back to it. And if we can hold that discomfort, the discomfort of fully experiencing happiness and love and joy, discomfort of feeling fully despair and grief and shadow. Like what do we find then that is so ungodly or is so godly human, mm -hmm. imperfectly human. And that's the conditions around love we've learned because of the way we've been taught. And I think mm -hmm. to your, what you speak to, which is such genius, is like, this is in some ways, in a lot of ways, not your fault. It's survival. Because it's learned. Yeah. It is, it is ancestral. It is epigenetic. Yeah. It is passed down. It is the way we've been conditioned. And I often wonder if like, is this the, the, Man, there's some word that I'm not going to remember. Like, is this the, like the freedoms, like the curse of freedom or the freedom's curse, the curse of liberation of like, yeah. you must first experience the tension to then understand how to create that freedom. What is the gentlest way you can return? Expand on that. Okay. So to your point, to take an example, I get up in the morning. I don't want to sit with this anxiety I have and this doubt that comes up for me. So I get on my phone to get dopamine somewhere else so I can feel something else because I don't want to feel this and this doesn't feel good. And I don't think it's always productive to be sitting in the shadow. But then I'm realizing I am on my phone scrolling to escape something. And now that doesn't feel good. So I get off my phone and I think to myself, okay, for a moment, can we just exist? What does existing look like for you? Taking a breath. <laughs> Connecting to my body, yeah. maybe rubbing it, maybe it's leaning into my jaw where it's tense, maybe it's up my 
forehead hurts, I'm exhausted. It's cracking my neck, it's rolling it out, it's stretching my arms wide, it's letting my body move. And then it looks different. Sometimes it's picking up my journal. If I'm like so antsy, I can't sit and meditate because I like really don't like, I can't keep my eyes closed, I can't keep them open. So I'll like rub my hands across my collarbone or my upper chest, which feels really good. Opening, right? You're like creating this interesting somatic feeling. And it's moving really slowly with it. I can almost feel the listener's resistance to it because I have my own resistance too around that and and this is where it's like it's just a moment right yeah it's like it doesn't have to be this whole ceremony it's just no it doesn't have to be like 20 minutes of meditation yeah it can be literally whatever you want it to be in that moment and that's where like to the question of like how can i return to this moment in the gentlest way most compassionate way possible to be like yes and it's okay and as i'm doing this you guys i am calming myself down i can feel you your whole energy changed whole body language changed and it's a practice of returning because we're not always going to be utterly unless we're like living in a ashram or in a tibetan monk temple like sorry but like we're living in chaos yeah like i'm on that i'm driving over to cats and some person walks i'm like is it me and then i'm next to this like giant like truck it's like flashing this weird light and i'm like why is the light flashing is there a cop behind me i'm like no the truck is vibrating and the metal and the truck is flashing this light in my eyes and i'm I'm, my nervous system gets elevated yeah what i'm hearing you say is connect with your body yeah Yeah. i think that in today's society and i am so guilty of this i'm actually in the workout witch her 30-day release trauma um you know my go-to for uh quote-unquote trying aiming to self-soothe is grab the phone watch the housewives go on the work do you know and I will say that I have so much resistance towards connecting with the present moment through my body because I don't believe it's going to work until I actually do it and then I realize holy shit this works and I don't know why but every single time that I do come back to my body I'm always amazed like oh that actually worked even though I've done it a million times I'm like oh that actually worked Huh? Huh, I tell you, I'm going to forget. Someone told me this this weekend and there's research behind it to get through to flow. You have to move through resistance in order to get to a flow state. There is an initial state of deep resistance to the, to the experience you're having. Yeah. It it reminds me of every Tuesday, Tyler, Tyler signed me up for a run club with our friend, Ian. You're running. I'm running. (laughs) Okay. First of all, I I hate running. God bless this man. I was sort of athletic before I met him like this man is a half iron man enthusiast <laughs> and like ultra marathon runs and like now all of a sudden on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m I get my ass up and I put my running shoes on and I pretend like everything's hunky-dory and we go out there in the cold freezing ass downtown Denver and I'm like yay running in a group of 20 people and my pace is literally 15 minutes <laughs> like this is going to be fun. There's so much fucking resistance. I'm literally in a battle in my brain. We get through mile two and I'm like, I could go all day. You want to run four miles today? Like I could do it. And I, it, that brings up for me, like what it's like to resist leaning into the moment. Mm. There's so much resistance leaning into that moment 
where you just want to be, where you need to regulate yourself and feel your feelings and connect to your body and like find that love. Okay. I love, it's not even about, I love myself in this moment. It's just like, I accept that I'm in this right now mm-hmm. and I'm going to sit with this in the moment. There's so much resistance to get to that point. You almost have to like fake it till you make it a little bit. hundred percent. And then you get in the moment and you're like, oh, I got this. Like we're good. But like, it's that resistance that you have to move through. And I think that's like the overarching theme of like our chat today about self-love. It's like the overarching theme I think that we're talking about today around self-love is where are all the ways that you resist self-love Hmm. because you're afraid what what are they afraid of I'm trying to finish because you're afraid period and can you're afraid and can you look at those places of resistance of places of freedom and if you can sit in that resistance in that yellow zone that's not like you know for me I'm like I don't need to run to be connected to my body Mm -hmm. exercise is important for me so I will lift mm-hmm. and yes. I will do yoga. And that is what I need to do. And I don't need to force myself to do something that I abhorrently hate. Maybe someday I will become a running girly. Today is not that day. It's not that year. Maybe it will be, who knows? But like, this is not the moment. I'm like, I am choosing to do something that I had so much resistance to before mm-hmm. by consistently moving my body in a way that is loving mm-hmm. and not a way that is body image and sometimes the body image comes up not gonna lie I'm like if I do this with my body then I will be this and can I choose to sit in the resistance and not run and just get curious and even accept that that's where you're at and just hold the space for it and be like I'm gonna choose to do this uncomfortable thing for a moment because I feel like it it's going to bring me into greater connection with myself and then I feel like that moment of peace that you experience after just like my run or just like when I do my nervous system exercises you sit there and I'm gonna say 10 out of 10 times I always feel this way I'm, I'm gonna speak for myself I always sit there and I'm like damn why didn't I do this sooner all the fucking time. Why didn't I just take five minutes to roll my hips on the ground and just let the emotions come out and just ugly cry and not have to make sense of it? Why didn't I do this like earlier today when I needed it? And when you asked me earlier and I said it's a gentle returning, I did not mean the experience itself is gentle. I mean the way that you approach yourself as you go through the experience is gentle. Right. Because like you're to be clear, like when I get up at 5 30 in the morning, I like a lot of times the reason why I like to do that is like, I don't have enough time to convince myself not to. I'm Mm -hmm. half asleep. So I'm like, you're getting in the car and you're driving. Yeah. And then you, and then you get the reprieve. And sometimes to be clear, I leave like lifting. I'm like, I'm not on cloud nine. I'm on cloud one. Yeah. But I'm on a cloud. I'm here. I'm doing it. I'm showing up consistently. This is self-love. Yes. And the way that I think love is so simple, but so complicated at the same time. Like it isn't so it's like you just choose to show up and not run. There's so many parts to self-love, so many parts to it. But I think where our focus is, is in this episode and then in our work and in in our lives, moment we're in right now, I think we're being really vulnerable and honest that we 
sometimes lack the ability to find moments of appreciation and love for ourselves because of our resistance and what it and what big emotions like the things that we're moving through used to mean for us at least that's what I'm saying I think I'm just giving myself permission to be human right now yeah but but my point is how were we taught that it's not okay to just be human I mean, all the ways, all the way to be very clear. Like I, and it's no one's fault per se. It's that it's partly society, partly generational. And yeah, it is, you know, it is partly our parents' lack of understanding that emotions are okay. But then how can you blame anyone when their parents didn't help, you know, their parents' generation are probably worse than ours in some and ways. We're just constantly evolving. Yeah. You know? So it's not about blame or shame or pointing the finger. It's about recognizing, you know what? I didn't get this and I needed it. And now that I know I can do this for myself, yes, I can choose differently. And I think that's a part of self-love too. A hundred percent. I now know what I need. Can I give myself permission to receive it even if it feels crazy? And I, you know, I'll say this, I said this to you on Saturday and in the way that I often am like, oh, huh, fascinating. <laughs> I actually really like that. I'd never thought of that before. Instead of trying to force yourself to receive something, can you just exist within it? Dude, can I tell you that I journaled on that this morning? It changed my whole perspective. I, to be clear, I was doing the exact same thing with a friend or I was like, we can just exist. Yeah. I can just exist. Yeah. And I will tell you, and like, I think it's interesting because I don't always know, like when you're in the beginning of your journey and you're like, I like am in a place of discovery and I need to, like, I'm learning, you know, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what this means. Like I'm in a place of practicing. I'm in a place of reading. I'm in a place of discovery, like getting really curious. And then there's a moment you hit where you're like, can I, can I exist at the same time? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's, it's because, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, like because I feel like because I'm in this work, I'm constantly doing this work. Yeah. Because I have to be, because I can't, I don't, not that I have to be, but like it is, it is part and parcel. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is a, this work itself is a transformational journey to be, to do this work. You have to do the work. Like there, there just is no ifs and buts about yeah, it. You, constantly you don't want to be, be the therapist who's also in therapy. I'm you, t- sorry. Like you have to be a student of your own work all the yes, time. Constantly. And so there is a point that I'm getting now of like, I need to introduce existence mm. and permission to be human. And that might not be where everyone is at in their journey. And I think that is where, you know, a lot of times I struggle with like giving blanket advice because everyone is so different with where they're at on their journey at a different point. And like, you know, at the beginning or at the growth stage, are you at the stage of like, there's just really intense and there's actually no, nothing needs to be done. You just need to exist and like move through it. Like, it's just, you have to experience and like, you just keep going through the thing until you get to the point where you can start learning mm-hmm. and then you learn and then you get back to the existing points where you like, you realize now I need to start a new journey. Like you mm-hmm. just keep moving around and around and around, but like knowing that like wherever you are in this moment on your journey, there is always permission to infuse like this just blanket of warmth mm-hmm. of like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you know, what I'm hearing you say is 
it's important for us to give ourselves permission on our self-love journeys, permission to be messy, Mm -hmm. permission to go through resistance, Mm -hmm. permission to honor what the resistance is telling us, Mm -hmm. permission to be in tune with ourselves, Mm -hmm. permission to see deeper in the uglier, messier parts, and also permission to love ourselves. Mm -hmm. We, I feel sometimes that I need the permission that it's okay to love myself because in a family of people who are constantly what looks like not really loving themselves, beating themselves up or dieting all the time or overly exercising or escaping through traveling and all, like whatever it is, right? Like that I see on the outside. It's like, what if for a moment I just loved myself? Mm. And back to the belonging thing, my biggest fear was if I'm in my purpose and I'm doing my work and I love what I do and I live a very different life than people, you know, expect of me, then will I still be lovable? Mm. That's a big thing for me too. I want to be honest about it. It's a big, big thing of like, if I choose, if I dare to break out of this, interesting little funnel that I feel like I have to do to like be successful that doesn't resonate with me that I don't want to do it actually feels like it's tearing out a piece part of me and killing my soul yeah if I dare to venture off into the unknown Mm -hmm. and craft something for myself will people still like me Mm -hmm. will people still want me will I still have human connection will I still have friends will I still have a partner will I still be loved by will people think I'm weird my boundaries don't mean I don't love you. My boundaries mean I love myself. Wow. And that was like beyond profound for me yeah. as a people pleaser of like me saying I can't get dinner tonight because I'm exhausted is not me saying I don't value as a person. Mm-hmm. I can be compassionate kind of the way I express that, but it's me saying I need to honor what I need right now. Mm-hmm. And that was such a huge thing for me because I didn't really ever know what boundaries were. Like they were never taught to me. I was like, what are these things? I don't get them. Like, it's really confusing. I want to honor, but I don't like, I was deeply distressing thing for a while, but I was realizing my boundaries, my, the things that I do to set up my life to a way that I respect myself and love myself is not a reflection of anyone else other than it is a reflection of like the way I need to care for myself right now. Because if anyone's listening to this and has never had them and it doesn't like, you know, ever gotten point, they were like, I do not know what it means to love myself. I do not know how to love myself. I actually despise myself and I despise the way I'm acting and the way I feel. And I actually don't even like existing within this body. It is that returning and being like, okay, we have to start somewhere. We start today. And through that practice of self-discovery and curiosity, you start to learn what feels right and what feels wrong, what feels good and what doesn't and why, how you learn this, where it comes from, and all of these things. And then you get to start to set up these structures for yourself to feel good. And you don't have to force yourself to do things anymore that you don't like doing. Mm-hmm. You don't like doing in the wrong way, right? It's not like Kat putting on her shoes to go for a run because she hates going, you know, she doesn't want to go for this run and it's a good thing. It's like, this is the, this is the wrong kind of thing. It's self-destructing. It's harmful to yourself and others. It's yes. not productive. It's not rooted in genuine desire. It's rooted out of fear and ego. Yeah, it's not It's not investing in the version of myself that I want to be and that is freeing and that is loving and that is kind and compassionate and as a service to the healing of myself, my, my community, the world, 
whole, like creating this place where like it, we can all exist as each other and not feel so, you know, scared and from your place, from what you're saying, like fear-based. And then it's like, okay, can I start to start at the very beginning of how can I construct this and realize like it is a constant practice. Mm-hmm. It is never going to end. And as like two very imperfect humans sitting, having this very vulnerable conversation that I know if I can speak for myself, got very uncomfortable at moments. It's like, I'm trying I to have to this start be perfect. Over. Like I wanted this to be perfect. And like, and I knew going into this, like I texted Kat, I was like, I'm just going to get really raw and vulnerable because like that that's what this conversation means. Like how much of love is just allowing yourself to be raw and vulnerable. And maybe it's not, you get to be discerning of who you're raw and vulnerable with too. Right. But like at the core of, can I be raw and vulnerable with myself? And if I can do that, then I can discover my boundaries of who does it feel safe to do that with? Yeah. Who has shown me that I can trust them? Mm-hmm. And do I know what it means to trust myself? So do I know what it means to trust them? And can I learn in that relationship, in that dynamic internal and external to be able to develop this place? And it's like, that's where, that's where, that's where the meat and the juices, that's where like the, the forming of the clay happens. That's where like, we get to start to play with it. Like it doesn't have to be this big, heavy, scary topic or big, heavy, scary healing thing. It can be this, like this part of life where we're like choosing to engage with it, choosing to exist within it or choosing to participate within it versus trying to ascend or trying to escape or trying to numb. Like we're choosing to, 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 to find the thing that we are actually seeking in the thing that's going to give us the thing that we're seeking. Yes, 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 yes. There's not that, that, that is it. That is the journey. There is nothing else to say that is, that is it. That is the self-love journey. Yeah. And like, you will know when it's time. It's always time, but there's always an initiation moment where, you know, the journey is about to really fucking begin. Oh yeah. When I said that, I meant like, you will know when it's time to do whatever you need to do. Like you will know when it's time to go see a therapist. You will know when it's time to stop being a therapist and like to to go back to this setting. It's like, you just have to be honest with yourself. That could be a whole other podcast episode. I think, I think in general, in wrapping up this conversation, you know, we're being very honest by saying that we don't have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. And there are parts of ourselves that we are deeply learning to love and accept. However, I think that we've done enough work on ourselves to feel confident, to hold other people going through that same journey because we have gone through it so deeply. And we can do it actively. And we can do it presently and actively and honestly. And I know this because I've worked with Ashley and had some really uncomfortable things come up and hopefully with our FCP, you know, with me, we have the ability to hold space for just sitting in the mess. So if you or somebody is thinking about coming to the event or working with what one of us, one-on-one, or even just exploring like, Hey, something about this resonated. I am willing to be honest mm-hmm. and go take to a that baby place. step yeah. today to be honest with myself and yeah. to get curious. Like you're in good hands. Thank you for your vulnerability for showing up in the mess for being real. I think more people will resonate with that versus everybody. Welcome to this day where we're going to talk about how to love yourself. And isn't that a parting note? How much 
more we love ourselves and we give ourselves permission to just be yeah. happy. Yeah. Yeah. I can be messy because we well, you held space for my messiness. And I don't love you less, right? And you don't love me less. Nope. Right? So no, actually I was thinking to myself, I was like, wow, this is exactly the conversation we need to have today. And how fun that we got to record this conversation Exactly. So with that, we're gonna end here. Thank you for sticking along the journey of our conversation. You know, just like sometimes self-love feels messy. Sometimes talking about it feels messy and we're just embracing the experience, but don't let this deter you, the messiness from coming to the workshop. If you're in Denver or you know someone in the Denver Boulder area, because we're only 30 minutes from Boulder, not that far. Uh, it's February 8th at Nurture, the wellness marketplace. What's it called? Wellness marketplace from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. We're going to be upstairs. If you have questions, you can either DM Pat or I. Really fun, Kat's Instagram is Kat Zella. <laughs> my Instagram is Ashley B. Jones. It's our name, not our, my email, Ashley at AshleyBJones.com. Like, we'll link it all. We'll link it, but know that like we are here for you at whatever you are, for whatever you need. Yeah, come come sit in a group of other women. It's we're specifically gearing this towards women. Come sit in a group of other women who are going on the same journey as you. Come be held by a space that is nurturing and loving and warm and is ready to receive everything that you have to give. So yeah, and us too. That's what I'm saying. We're gonna be right there. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to be alone. Amen. All right, guys. See you next time, whenever that is. <laughs>